Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westman demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother, Wesley Mann. Today, we're talking a movie from 1993, available to stream on Disney+. Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's... <laughs> Give me bobsled time. <laughs> Cold, Cold buttocks. What did you call it? You know, that was the title in uh, some country, I don't remember where, <laughs> translated to cold buttocks. Cold buttocks? Yep. <laughs> I imagine they would be really cold in those onesies, those unitard things. Yeah. Like I was totally feeling Dougie Doug when he was like, I'm going to be freezing in that bond. <laughs> he kept warm. You know that a, a piece taken out of the screenplay was Sanka Coffee bedding a whole bunch of like skier girls. Oh, he was a ladies man? Yep. Interesting. This is very G. This movie is so G. Is it G, though? I'm pretty sure oh, this yeah. is rated PG-13. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. You're right. It's PG. No, PG-13. Let's cover it, shall we? What you smoking, man? I'm not smoking. I'm freezing. Junior Bevel's a badass mutter. There's a bar fight with an assault with a deadly weapon. Meaning Dougie Doug breaks a bottle over someone's head? Yeah, not just anyone. Yosef Gruel, one of the biggest assholes in the world. That's a terrible accent. <laughs> Remember when Junior Bevel wants to name the sled Tallulah and, and Sanka says, sounds like a $2 hooker? <laughs> Why does this feel so so wholesome? I've known you since Julie Jeffries asked to see you dingling. <laughs> wow, are you the MPAA? <laughs> I'm just saying, as a mother of two little girls, does Cool Runnings hold up in such a way that you'll show it to them? I walked away feeling like this was the most wholesome 90s movie <laughs> comedy ever, but apparently not. Did you watch it by yourself? Uh, I watched it by myself. I did. You know, you know what it is? I just recently rewatched Grease. We should cover that. Oh, man. Grease. That's a greasy movie in some places. From 1978. So decade plus preceding Cool Runnings. That yeah. movie is raunchy. Yeah. It's like the uh, the stage version of Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> it's the musical version or is music or is Saturday Night Fever the musical version of Saturday Night Fever? Yep, we should cover that. Why are we covering Cool Runnings? This was a request from a listener. So I think there was a challenge. <laughs> okay, I'm going to back up even further. For some reason, you kept referencing Cool Runnings. <laughs> 
Like throughout multiple episodes, I was like, what is your obsession with this? And then you said that Cool Runnings was cool. And so I gave our audience, our listeners, a challenge that if one listener would request we cover Cool Runnings, that we do so. And so here we are. Yeah. Any word on who that listener was? Well, I, I could out the listener as being one Amy the Sneak Chafin, but then it just sounds like she's our only listener. <laughs> Because we talk about Amy the Sneak Chafin a lot. So look, we covered her Troop Beverly Hills, and you said there was no way you were showing it to the girls. So I wanted to know what you thought of Cool Runnings. Because I've watched this movie multiple times. I, too, had a fuzzy feeling. So then reviewing it critically, I was like, maybe not for all the reasons I just listed. Because this is the movie that sticks out in my mind when it talks about loose adaptations or clarifying the is it based on a true story like uh, Goodfellas or Casino or one of them was too far away from being based on a true story. So they changed the wording to be based on true events which I don't know how that's different, are based on real events. But Cool Runnings, that disclaimer is inspired by the first Jamaican bobsled team, which is kind of really the only similarity to true life events. According to IMDb, the official tagline was once inspired by the true story of the first Jamaican Olympic bobsled team, but they don't really tout that too heavily. There's no super, you know, based on a true story or inspired by true events, et cetera, et cetera. There's no um, dedication or reference to the actual Olympians. You know, sometimes they do like the side-by-side. None of that. Yeah. Uh, all the names are different. John Candy's Irv Blitzer is totally fictitious. Huh. None of the names. <laughs> the names have been changed to protect the innocent. So you have a clean slate and an opportunity to tell a story in exactly the way Disney wants to do it. And this movie seems reminiscent of a time when they adapt movies in a Disney-fied kind of way that kind of wouldn't fly today. It's not that they're bad, but there are lots of Disney movies that have disclaimers about uh, unfavorable depictions of certain cultures or practices, that kind of thing. Peter you know, Pan. We are Chinese if you don't please kind of thing. Lady in the mm. Tramp. Peter Pan for sure has that. Dumbo has the crows, the black crows, for God's sake. Oh, my God. For Cool Runnings, which at the time is Disney's highest grossing live action film to date. I don't know if Mary Poppins is included in that. If it is, it has to be for inflation because Mary Poppins is my jam. But when you can create whatever story you want... Is this appropriate? Like, I wonder, are Jamaicans proud of this movie? I mean, they're goofy, but they're not portrayed unfavorably. Maybe a bit stereotypically. But again, early 90s, all of this PC stuff wasn't really in effect. It wasn't really. And they did their own version. But still, they did some swearing in this movie and here and there. And there were some questionable elements. You know that the whole cast supposedly rebelled when they were scripted to build a snowman once they arrived in Calgary. And the flourish, the cherry on top, was to pop a blunt in its mouth to be <laughs> typical Jamaican. And they all refused to do it. So it was cut. Yo, Rasta, that's not Jamaican. That's just hooligan. Wait, a blunt. Do you know what a blunt is? Yes, I know what a blunt is. I grew up in mom and dad's house. What's a blunt? Uh, I think it's the same as a square and a notch. <laughs> a blunt specifically is a cigar that's filled with Mary Jane. Are you sure? What's Mary Jane? Yes, marijuana. So when you, I always figured it was just 
because, you know, they have different names. Like if you take a cigarette and you mix it with um, weed, it's different. But blunts specifically refer to cigars. Okay. That's a lot of pot. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's like we're, you know, the way like a gangsta shows out. So if they are proud of it in Jamaica, this would be like Jamaicans making an American movie about the first American bobsledder who came to live in Jamaica, right? And they were like, and, and Irv Blitzer is is in, you know, Arizona or being like, I love America and America loves me. And they're all like, he's all like wearing American flag clothes and stuff. And uh. Right. And he's like, he's got a Texas accent. He's got a drawl and stuff. And his name is, is like Jake America. <laughs> like, is it, is it offensive that their names are Sanka Coffee and Yule Brenner? And Junior Bevel. Don't forget Doris Bannock, played by Leon. Leon. Um, I mean, yeah, come on. Yes. I mean, would they really wear Rasta colored snow clothes? This is pure fantasy. When you talk about Disneyfication, that's what you're really saying. This is a fantastical version and retelling of this story. If they're going to go full fantasy, my question is not, is it offensive? It's why didn't they just go full gold medal? Oh, yeah, I guess they could because they had the footage. And boy, is that footage harrowing. So John Turtletaub, the director, knew, by the way, director of National Treasure, available now at Or Whatever Movies, our discussion. He knew that there was no way he could recreate that crash, which is the heartwarming part. Like if they won gold, it might be a little bit too much of a stretch and maybe offensive to the team who did win the gold at that particular Olympics in Calgary. Yeah, you can only stretch it, I think, so far. But what makes it, you know, heartwarming? I guess the the fact that they are rising up from nothing. Maybe it would be offensive to actual bobsledders if the team came from nothing and in the movie version won gold. Maybe that may, <laughs> might be a little bit too much. They didn't come. They didn't come from nothing. First of all, Junior Bevel was the rich kid, and secondly, Leon had a nice little home right by the ocean. Looked pretty awesome to me. Yeah. But they were talking about wanting to raise the status of Jamaica just internationally. Sure. For that particular sport. What else did they have? Cycling, uh, sprinting and boxing? Yeah. When he basically when he gets disqualified, he has a couple other options, none of which he's good at. And then he picks bobsledding. Well, he says, I'm not a boxer, man. And then that was also a terrible accent. But cycling is fairly close to running, right? You need leg strength, upper body strength, I guess. And, and so the, I think that training would apply. I mean, sure, the skills are transferable, but it's not maybe not at the Olympic level. So here's where my my last issue lies, because I'm playing devil's woke devil's advocate. None of the four principals are Jamaican. But when it comes to depicting their Jamaican characters, they had what was supposed to be an authentic Jamaican accent. And the head of Disney worried that they would be unintelligible. So he literally gave them a note telling Leon to sound like a Jamaican Aladdin, and in general, to tone down the authentic Jamaican accent, and they advised them to sound more like, and I'm not kidding here, Sebastian from The Little Mermaid. Ooh, cringe. And so I'm sure... Squirm. (laughs) like, Like Dick Van Dyke's Bert, the people with actual Cockney accents, actually, I'm not sure that people with Cockney accents care about Mary Poppins, but this movie, I wonder if Jamaicans are like, oh, that's not good. That said, the actual Jamaican Bob Slit team has at least some admiration for the movie because one of the principals, who's now a motivational speaker, wrote a book 
called Hot Lessons or something from Cool Runnings. And he embraces the movie. They were shown or they were invited to see the filming because their two stipulations were we will agree to our story being used, albeit in a loose fashion, as long as A, Jamaica is not depicted unfavorably, nor is bobsledding. They can't be disparaging of it. I think it's like a very serious thing. And it was so bright and colorful. They were like, it's all good. But again, 30 years on, and by the way, this movie on October 1st, the 30th anniversary of Cool Runnings. Wow. I feel old. This movie didn't reach me as a child, but it it resonates in this weird way where I'm afraid that late 40s stage me would be like, this movie is garbage. Why do they make such garbage for kids? But it's like that weird sweet spot where it hits me where I wasn't all bent out of shape and offended by everything. And I can embrace this movie for what it was, especially for the time it was. Well, people certainly seem to embrace this movie. It was a box office hit. But why was this a hit in 1993? It was inspirational because they went the right direction and they chose the right flavor of coffee. And by successful, you mean an incredible 10 times its budget in box office draw? That's pretty impressive. But uh, other people were up for this role. Everybody passed. First round choices, Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. And What? Yeah. And this is, I mean, you can say like, oh, our first choice was Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise for Of Mice and Men or whatever. That doesn't mean that that there was ever a chance that you were going to get him. But Disney went hard after Eddie Murphy as Sanka, Wesley Snipes as as Yul Brynner, and Marlon Wayans as Junior, and John Candy, and they all turned it down. John Candy, in fact, is the only first choice that they secured for this movie. And John Candy at the top of his game in 1993. Unfortunately, yes. The top of his game and the end of his game. Last official John Candy movie release before his death. So wild and unfortunate. He seems, I know it's silly to comment on like a surface appearance, but you know, he doesn't seem unhealthy. No, he's all running around. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. Five, nine guys. And he's all like animated and cheering and hugging people and doing his little ice dance on the in the ice skating rink yeah Yeah. he's all all vibrant and funny i feel like we lose a little bit of the john candy signature comedy and him being the straight man yeah and the fact that he's all surly and grumpy at the beginning i guess he's surly and grumpy kind of all the way through but he's really mean and you can tell by his mean guy facial hair at the bar yeah, it's like darker when he's meaner. His fish. Maybe he's just in dark environs, but I'm pretty sure he had a five o'clock or like a midnight shadow the whole time. But it's darker when he's mad. It's like all the Kens in Barbie. <laughs> exactly. He's all surly and he's and he breaks the radio for some reason. And we never really get down to why he cheated. He had to win, plain and simple. Yeah, and they and that was the difference between Irv and Doris. Right. That Doris was enough of a man to lose, was like a big enough man to lose. Yeah. I guess it's way more proud and powerful to carry the bobsled across the finish line than it is to just push the thing. Right. Because if if all four of them were scooting it by the handles, not the same effect. Huh? Right. And that's what they did in real life. They really did carry it? No, they really did drag it. All like oh. to, to sporadic clapping. It definitely wasn't the slow clap building to a crescendo. They just scooted uh. it along on the track. And and the guy, the Doris looking guy, all proud and out front and smiling. And that's great. And they did get applause. But again, for a dramatic effect, I think this was a really effective ending for some reason. Because it was the aspirations were to the stars. But practically speaking, they were just trying to show up and represent and, and draw respect. Which ultimately they did, uh, as confirmed by the post 
postscript for this movie. They came back as equals, but they never meddled. But I mean, you know, talk about embellishment. They uh, So they used that original crash footage, but everything else was pretty fictionalized from the start. They were embraced by the bobsled community. They were like, guys, so cool that you're representing your country. Here, let us lend you one of our practice sleds one of the other teams. It, it, apparently it's common practice and sometimes encouraged to load the front of your sled with weights. They have oh. minimum and maximum weight requirements. So you got to get the dudes to meet that. But if you're outside of the minimum requirements, you have to put weights in your sled to even out the, the whole thing. To make it even, to make it right, fair. To make it, yeah, a, a competition. And then it's based on strength and start and skill in driving. Huh. So you're referencing this crash footage. Footage. Are you talking about when they wipe out and they basically skid on their heads? Yeah, their it was. It, it's really dangerous in the first place, and to recreate it would have been really dangerous and, frankly, kind of costly. And they had really good footage, so they used the perspective of the crowds cheering and watching it on the monitors. It was an effective way to show the crash, and then they just showed the real footage, which is horrifying. They did embellish it. They showed showed their helmets scraping on the on the track. In close up but what i wanted to find out is if that poor dude who got like chicken necked with his head all like sideways i wanted to see if that was real and it was it looks like Uh. that dude's head came off do you know what i'm talking about oh my god no so when in the real footage when the sled is on its side and they're up against the wall at a 90 degree angle that dude's head is at a 90 degree angle and his head is, is his helmet is smushed between the ice wall and the and the sled itself and i was like that looks horrible and that was from the actual actual crash i mean the the fact that they weren't injured was is pretty miraculous and were they really did they really have like a record time to begin with i i honestly don't think so they qualified and did all that stuff obviously they were at the olympics for a reason but i don't know that they were actually close to meddling i was wondering about joseph gruel's turn because he's the one that initiates the slow clap yeah is he just like, you know, bobsledder to bobsledder, like you can take a hit. And so I'm going to praise you for that. The one in the bar where he's like, watch out for turn so-and-so. Scary, huh? <laughs> Scary, yeah. Foreshadowing or whatever. Because he's basically the closest we get to an antagonist, to an enemy in this film. I can't help but think that he admires them for how they take their loss. Yeah, as evidenced by the slow clap. I mean, if we're talking about unfair depictions, is it really maybe the Germans have something to say about cool runnings? I don't know, man. If anybody hit me over the head with a glass bottle in a bar fight, number one, I would press charges. And number two, I wouldn't come around in a happy Disney way. If nothing else, you're the one who assaulted me. Well, he didn't press charges because they were all mentally unstable. Right. Well, that's the uh, excuse that they gave the bar owner. Uh, Did you get emotional with John Candy's inspirational, motivational speech? Which one? When he bursts into the boardroom and he confronts the alliance or whatever and is like basically saying that these guys are no different and you're being unfair and yada yada. No, I didn't get emotional. I, I liked, I appreciated its authenticity. Just the idea that he said, if you want to ban someone, someone, if you want to take the glory and the moment away from someone, the accomplishment, then me, I deserve it. But don't take it away from my guys who have earned the right to represent their country, which is all absolutely true. So that was good because he never wanted to be redeemed necessarily. It's not his hero story or whatever. He's helping these guys find glory and maybe them winning a medal would have awarded him some distinction as a coach but really it's not his triumph but i did get emotional at the end 
when everyone's cheering and the guy's like, oh, the hell with it. Go jams. And like, they're all like vibing for them, you know, <laughs> that was better for me. And there's like, da, 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 whoa, a little shaky there. Da, 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 da. And just how unfairly it all came down based on a loose, a loose screw in the sled, which is also not true. Man, when the elder Bevel busts open his shirt like yeah. Superman style, I was like, stupid movie and all mad because I got all choked up. Super Bevel. <laughs> when, he, when he goes all Super Bevel, I was like, this movie is so stupid. And I'm like crying like all, all my octopus teacher style. Because <laughs> this movie is ridiculous, but it successfully pulls on the heartstrings, especially in those last moments. And that is, I guess, what makes it good. In taking the clean slate, they crafted a story that was heartwarming and, I guess, inspirational. I mean, like I said, that dude is now an inspirational speaker, and I don't know that he would have been if it hadn't been for Cool Runnings. Also, the 2016, I think, Winter Olympics, Jamaica qualified for the two-man bobsledding team, and they called themselves Cool Runnings the second generation and conceded that their level of support and probably even sponsorship simply wouldn't have been possible without this movie so it benefited some people i just wondered on the whole if its depiction was considered favorable by jamaicans generally speaking do you know how big jamaica is and by that i mean do you know how small jamaica is uh no but i figured it must be really small because they literally call it the little island of jamaica when they're announcing the bobsled team yeah last i heard and this may be a little bit off by now but it can't be too off 2.5 million people in jamaica wow i think there's more than that in woodland hills <laughs> i think you might be right that's crazy 2.5 million um so we can talk about this movie being a product of the 90s, both in terms of how it tells its story and the way that it's maybe a bit culturally insensitive, racially insensitive, if this were to be made 30 years later in 2023. And I think there's been rumors of Cool Runnings 2 for years now. What would this look like? Uh, some of the stars, Junior Bevel, the actor who portrayed Junior in particular, was asked if it were rebooted as an all-female reboot, who he would want to play him. And he said Lupita Nyong'o, which is, I guess, fair enough. He looks kind of Lupita Nyong'o-ish, kind of too small to be a Jamaican sprinter, but whatever. Leon looks appropriate. Yul Brenner or Malik Yoba looks appropriate for a bobsledder slash sprinter. Junior Bevel, not so much. And Sanka is laughable. Like Sanka, except for his drive and determination, should have been the driver who does the, the least amount of physical activity and studies the turns and stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, there have been lots of Disney inspirational sports movies. I don't know if the Mighty Ducks count, but like Mir Miracle and stuff about the the hockey movie. And so I think that if they did it again, it would be much more gritty, much less colorful, much less da, 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 rise above it. It would be, I don't know, it would be a lot sweatier and a lot more, you know, head in your hands in the locker room facing disqualification, but then yelling and stuff and, and maybe a, a Top Gun Maverick style confrontation in the locker room or whatever, where they, they push each other and stuff. It just wouldn't be as cartoonish. And definitely nobody would have offensive names. No offensive names. Probably actually have Jamaican actors, or at least of Jamaican descent. A black director. And would it be a comedy? Because this comedy, I would dare say, probably has only two beats. And they beat those beats pretty consistently, right? It's these people from Jamaica don't belong in the snow. That's the one comedy beat. 
Yeah. And then the other is that they have no place bobsledding. Or in professional sports, I guess, because they're all like Rasta, fun-loving, colorful characters. <laughs> yeah, that they're different and people don't like different. Yeah, it would be the nephew of the original characters if they did a, a follow-up, but they'd have to call him like Keurig K-Cup and Dwayne Johnson. In the 90s, did anybody, did you know who Yul Brynner, do you know who Yul Brynner is? No, am I supposed to? Yeah, Yul Brynner is, he's only Yul Brynner because he's bald. And Yul Brynner was the white Asian looking dude in The King and I and Westworld. Oh, Yul Brynner's an actual actor? Well, Yul Brynner, B-R-Y-N-N-E-R, as opposed to this movie's Yul Brynner. So that's a direct reference to the actor by the similar name? Yeah. Nope, missed it. That's why I asked if it was racist, because the only comparison to Yul Brynner is that he's bald. <laughs> Which they they like to beat that drum too, right? There was a German bobsled team member who who was very um, Daniel Bruley. He could be a bad guy. Daniel Bruhl, he's done sports movies where he's the bad guy, sorta. <laughs> yeah. And Marvel movies where he's the bad guy. He's also done Nazi movies where he's the bad guy. Yeah, he was kind of a good Nazi though, as Nazis go. He he was a race car driver. I guess you have to be kind of compact to be a race car driver. But ah, cool runnings. Peace be the journey. Wait, so, okay, that's, that's my last question. How does cool runnings translate to peace be the journey? I have no idea. Honestly, I didn't know when I saw this movie originally if it was true to Jamaican culture or life. But this is kind of probably one of the main influences on American life of Jamaican culture. I mean, obviously you have Bob Marley and reggae music and that kind of thing. But this version of I Can See Clearly Now or whatever, this version of that song charted based on this movie. And, and so I don't know. You know, it's it's all beautiful and colorful and, and all supportive and stuff. And everybody's all happy and junk. I, I have no idea if it's if that's Yeah, if it's if that depiction is accurate. And so I don't know if that was an actual, you know, like a Patois colloquialism or something, uh, Jamaican slang. But I don't think so. Like this movie was only named Cool Runnings in the 11th hour after it was bandied about. It was originally so it's cold buttocks in Norway. It was called Roster Rocket in France. Uh, four below zero. Get it? Because there's four, four of them and they're in the cold. Below zero. And they're zeros? Like they're, they don't have value? Maybe. But also, Cool Runnings doesn't really translate in other countries. Not that it necessarily does here, but they use alternate titles. So I'm not sure that it means anything. And thus, I'm afraid to let this movie... <laughs> I don't want to go to Jamaica and be like, I loved Cool Runnings, you know? That's my big question. <laughs> Because we were on a train up to Machu Picchu, and there were Peruvians on the train, and the white lady spoke up and said, did you see the Darjeeling Limited? And they were like, no. Is it about Peru? Like, what is it about? And she's like, oh, no. They were, they were just on a train because we were on a train, and that was the association in a completely different part of the world and a different culture. Because she was on a train, she brought up a train movie, and I'm afraid that if we go to Jamaica, you have to swear to me we're never going to bring up Cool Runnings. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll agree to that. It's like when we went to Japan after college and they were like, what parts do you want to see? And Ben was like, oh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh, man, that's pretty rough. And they were like, why? <laughs> I want to see where the images of the people were burned into the concrete steps. <laughs> so awkward. Anyway, we digress. Cool Runnings. So I don't really feel any differently about Cool Runnings. 
<laughs> Look, 17-year-old me loved this movie. And I still carry that goodwill over into my much, much older adulthood 30 years later. I don't have hate for Cool Runnings. I don't know how many people who saw Cool Runnings had ever been to Jamaica, and I'm not sure that it really mattered back then. It kind of matters now, but not enough for me to care and to say that this is a bad movie because of that. Uh, I like this movie, and I can't help it, and I'm going to give it a solid all right rating. All right. Cool Runnings, 30 years later, reviewed critically, and, and it holds up. Take that, the sneak. How could you say this is anything but good? It's inspirational, motivational, at times it's funny, and it definitely pulled on my heartstrings at the end. I could kind of care less that it's a sports movie, although, I mean, it's more of a movie about family and then making fun of of cultural differences, but nonetheless, I mean, sure. They came together in the end and handshook, and they came back to the Olympics as equals, and what more can you ask? I'll give Cool Runnings a good old-fashioned Wesley version of I Didn't Hate It. No, I like it, and I've actively watched this movie on multiple occasions and recently. Well, maybe I'll suggest it for movie night. Okay, go for it. Because Kelly Ray did not watch it with me because the last time I tried to put on Cool Runnings, she was like, I'm not watching Cool Runnings. So maybe this is how you get her to see it. Well, why the venom? Why the hate? I don't know. Kelly Ray needs a reason to invest in a two-hour movie. I just need two hours. <laughs> One hour and 38 minutes. And that's our discussion on Cool Runnings from 1993, available on Disney+. Plus. Did you enjoy this discussion? You did! Great! Check out 200-plus others, including some that we referenced today, like National Treasure, because Nick Cage is a national treasure, Troop Beverly Hills, my Octopus Teacher, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Nowhere else would these movies be referenced in conjunction with Cool Runnings. This was a request from a listener. That's right, we take requests. So if you want to make a request, 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com is how you get in touch with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your five-star review. And thank you for subscribing to or whatever movies. We'll see you next time. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid. Electric acid.